For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Connor. Welcome into the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm here with, I'm always here usually with Matt. But it's not the Matt that you're used to. It's not Matt Verderam. Matt Verderam is in San Francisco, living the good life, enjoying that nice, cool, temperate weather out there, looking at the Golden Gate. I'm here with Matt Connor, the lead editor at Arrowhead Addict. He's in his closet, as usual. You usually hear him with Sterling Holmes, but now he's here with me. Matt, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I don't think either one of us are as good as Verderam at the moment, right? I mean, he's like... No. He's like in Mirror Woods, or I think he's going to Alcatraz, some, something like that. So uh, <laughs> If he goes to Alcatraz, yeah, you better be careful. They might lock him up. <laughs> By the way, how many times have you seen The Rock with Sean Connery? It's been, it's been a while, but I, I, like, I watched it a lot You know when it came out, when it was popular. Do you remember yeah. the theory that Sean Connery was James Bond in The Rock? Have you ever heard oh. that? Yeah, there's like this, it's probably on Reddit. Like the, the theory was that, <laughs> that even though he wasn't by name James Bond, that it was supposed to be James Bond, that that was Ooh. the character. I think it got debunked, but it, like it's worth a rewatch just for that. But like, dude, I love all I those movies that came out. They were so over the top and so cheesy, like The Rock and then like Con Air. Are you a Con Air oh, guy? Yeah. yeah, I mean, my last name is Con Air. So that That's was my true. Nick, that was my That's nickname true. when that movie came out. It was like, oh, there's Con Air, and uh, yeah, anything Nicolas Cage is in where he can just do his over the top thing, right? It's it's unbelievably over the top, and you got Buscemi in there, and you got oh, yeah. um, uh, he's so uh, good in that. Oh God, who plays the who plays who plays Cyrus the virus? Um, uh, John Malkovich. John right? Malkovich. John Malkovich. So like. It's basically like all of like the '90s, like over the top acting, like yep. Olympics, and and of course Malkovich and Steve Buscemi are, are brilliant, and to a degree, so is Cage. But like, you know, the the lines in those movies that they wrote, <laughs> like my favorite one is um some some guy says to uh to Nicolas Cage, "Do you know what I am?" And Nicolas Cage says, "Ugly all day." <laughs> it's just like. I love that you can pull that straight out even that, after all these years. Oh, it's 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 the it's the best line in that entire movie. Um yeah, ugly all day. He's just like so ridiculous. He's wearing that wife beater 
a shirt the whole time. I probably shouldn't say, probably shouldn't call them wife beaters anymore. Um, but it was a different time. It was a different time. But like in that, and like in all the Harrison Ford movies, like uh, uh, the oh god, Air Force One, get off my plane! Like this <laughs> ridiculous. You got a ridiculous. few of these down. Like this is a real talent of yours. It is. 90s there, there's movie yeah. quotes. Yeah, nineties movie quotes. Um, By the way, I was just watching Crimson Tide. Do you remember I that? I don't Denzel. think I saw Crimson Tide. It's just Bruckheimer underwater, basically. <laughs> but Gene Hackman and Denzel, it's the same thing. It's wonderful. It's over the top. It's I can't believe you've never seen it because I watch it like every time it's on, you know, television, and then I just yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. It's hard to get them all, you know, like the submarine movies they throw on there. U571. <laughs> Remember that one? I think, I think John Bon Jovi was in one of those movies. Am I that wrong was an, about that? That was another thing, yeah, that they would do, that they would like, they would get random music stars, some of whom could actually act like LL Cool J is like super right. talented, right? He's in like the Halloween movies and he was, he was like the hero in that. Remember that? Sh- what's that shark movie where, where, um, Samuel L. Jackson gets bit in half. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like, I, you th- I have no recall on this one. Oh, it was just on TV. It's on Netflix right now. I forget what it's called. Deep water, you know, something stupid like that. Okay. But like, yeah, yeah. it's Samuel L. Jackson's in it. And he's like this expert and you're watching the movie and you think that like, he's going to be the hero. And, you know, once all of everything goes to shit, you know, like they're in the underwater base and like it, there's a flood and all the, the flood doors close and they're trapped. And there's like this big pool inside the room that they're in. And Samuel L. Jackson standing there and he's like, he's like giving like the St. Crispin's Day speech. And he's like, listen, we're not going to die in here. We're going to get out and we're not going to. And like, as he's talking, this shark just like flies up out of the water and grabs him and pulls him down into the water. And then they cut to an underwater shot of like another shark comes and grabs his head and they just rip him in half. And you're just like, if you don't know that's coming, and if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen this movie, now you do. Yeah, spoiler um, alert here yeah. for a 20-year-old movie or whatever. Yeah, right. It's absolutely incredible. Um, but but listen, I could talk about movies all day. This is a Chiefs podcast, and they get yeah. surly when we, we talk too much about other things. Uh, but I do have a serial review coming later. Um, I need to really quickly, though, talk about Manscaped. They have been supporting the show for a long time. And as you guys know, the Manscaped 4.0 razor is here. They've got all the stuff. They've got the crop preserver. They've got, there's a light on this razor that's like, I don't, I'm, it's good to see what I'm doing when I'm doing that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know that I need to see it in that vivid detail. I don't think anybody needs to see it in that. You've got options though. I do have I do have options. It's waterproof. They've got the ceramic blade. They've got the crop preserver. Which, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm like the I'm like Mr. Crop Preserver guy. I'm like get the crop preserver. It's good. It, it's uh, it keeps you it keeps you fresh and clean. Have you been using that? You've been throwing that on seven thousand RPMs. How could I not use the whole thing? Yeah, right. yeah. Seven thousand RPMs kind of makes me a little unsettled as well. But um, it's, I think. It's good. It's great products. You should check it out. They support the show and you can support the show by supporting us and using the code FANSIDED20. That's FANSIDED20. That's going to get you 20% off and free shipping for all your man grooming needs. I've heard some of the ladies are buying the Manscaped products too, even though it's not directly marketed at them. I've seen my wife eyeing the uh, the razor, so I'm going to have to, I maybe have to, you know, get her her own or lock mine in the safe. Uh, 
So thank you to Manscaped. His and hers. Right, yeah, his and hers. The, yeah, if they, if they, it'll, it'll, they'll come out with a pink one. It'll happen. Okay, let's get into the Chiefs talk. So I wanted to kick things off with, you know, training camp has ended. And um, you've obviously been following this super closely because you're writing about what's happening every day. I check in every time I can. I'm busy as hell these days. But um, what was your take on on training camp? How did it go? Did it go the way that you expected it to go? Any surprises? Um, you know, I, th- I think I think most of us would say generally what we would want to see from a Chiefs training camp. Really, in in any fan would say you want to be relatively healthy. And you want to see growth from your young players. And I think on both fronts, the Chiefs look really great, right? Like uh, uh, like we've got some injuries to Kyle Long or, uh, you know, we've had like a Willie Gay concussion, Mike Rimmer's back spasm, et cetera. But, but every injury has been of the short-term variety. And then, I mean – you know, the Chiefs loaded up where they could have an all-veteran line and no one would flinch at it uh, of guys who have uh, multiple years of starting experience. You know, and and instead we've got three rookies or first-year players, you know, in, in, in the Yangs instance after the opt-out year. We've, we've got three first-year guys who've beaten out the competition. Like, they're not just thrown in there because – of injuries like Rimmers is back and Niang still holding down the fort up front. So, you know, like, like from my perspective, not only am I happy to see the chiefs are healthy and looking good heading into the rest of the preseason, but I'm also looking at young guys who are going to be instant contributors or second year players like Willie Gay, who looks the part now, um, you know, at the second level there. Uh, yeah. That, I'm just feeling good. It, the right guys have developed all the, all that front line, Mike Dana, Turk Wharton. I mean, they're all, they're all making the leap. We were dying for the chiefs to sign someone like they signed Alex Okafor. And now we're talking about Okafor is on the roster bubble because maybe we didn't need him after all a hat tip there to Brendan Daly for his job coaching up that front line. But, uh, yeah, man, if your young players are making a leap and your team is healthy, I think that's a successful training camp. And that's what I'm seeing. What, what, how are you feeling? I'm trying to figure out, like, the roster. I've got a spreadsheet that I've been working on. And I've got Okafor making the team. But, I'm, I'm like, part of it is I'm basing it on the, 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 the depth chart that we're getting from the Chiefs which they've got him as second team, and then they've got Kando as third, but you know he's going to make the roster. Right. But when you look at this roster, it's really difficult to try to figure out who's going to end up. You know, I'm, I'm using last year's roster as a guide to, like, okay, how many, roughly how many defensive linemen are they likely to keep? How many offensive linemen? And I know that there are two people that a lot of people, really, like the Chiefs fans are interested in making the roster. Obviously, Jody Fortson. Everybody wants Jody Fortson to get on the roster, but with the addition of Noah Gray, it, you would think it would be hard. But at the same time, they 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 generally would have like four tight ends, and who else is it going to be if they're if it's going to be Kelsey and Blake Bell and Noah Gray, and they're going to have a fourth tight end? Who is that person going to be? Yeah, maybe it's going to be Jody Fortson. And then there's the Antonio Callaway situation, which I I think he's really interested interesting, but is is hurt now correct 
Yeah, yeah. They actually just waived him with an injury designation. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah, so I, I think they've ended that experiment. Even yeah. though he was the most like recently proven productive player of that whole it's just a bunch of pasta at wide receiver, right? Like right, you're throwing right. them all at the wall and seeing what sticks. Callaway looks like he could have stuck, but that bone bruise kept him out for, for a long time. So, yeah, it seems like the Chiefs have moved on there um, to get down to the roster limit of 85 players that was due um, last Tuesday. We'll see another five cuts before next Tuesday. So that should become clearer, the picture, in the next week. Is there anybody that you think is going to be a surprise cut? Right. It happens every year. A young guy comes up, not necessarily with the Chiefs, but I always remember the Bernard Pollard cut and everybody lost their minds. Remember when that <laughs> happened? They were like, what? No. I think yeah. I was one of those people. But is there anybody that you think is going to be a surprise that like, I think it would have to be something like crazy, like they cut Juan Thornhill because they love Devon Key, right? Like something weird like that. But I don't think that's going to happen. What was your take on that? Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a cut at that level, like a like a Thornhill suddenly just cast aside. You know, I, I, I think Armani Watts could lose his job to Key. I think Dorian O'Daniel's days are done here, even though he's a former third-round pick. And he was a pick by Veach. And, you know, he wasn't a holdover from John Dorsey leading – that front office, I think maybe the biggest surprise and, and people could disagree with me, you know, what do I know? But I think Cornell Powell could be in danger of not making the roster even after mm. the chiefs just took him in the fifth round. When you have a deep team day, three picks face a significant challenge to make the roster. And uh, you know, you mentioned Jody Fortson earlier uh, to me, carrying a third and fourth tight end, when they are more receivers like Fortson and Gray, I don't think you have to keep as many wide receivers. I think those guys are kind of that hybrid. You know, the, the NFL is going to more hybrid roles anyway and doing away with some of these hard and fast categories. I think if you're carrying Gray and Fortson, guys who can even line up wide if you need them to, you know, like in the slot, whatever, I, I'm, I'd be okay with not carrying a so-so receiver if it meant you could keep your electric options at tight end. So if Powell's not sticking out and he was a late round flyer anyway, I, to me, maybe that's the bigger surprise of like, Oh, wow, we just drafted him and now he's gone. But on a deep team, that's just going to happen to, to a draft class. Do you think he makes it over Marcus Kemp? Like is Marcus Kemp, the guy who keeps Powell could keep Powell off the roster yeah. or is Kemp yeah. not going to make it? Yeah, I it? think so. I think Kemp is the, I mean, you know, Dave Tobe has a history of beating the table for Marcus Kemp. If we watch the Niners game, Kemp made a couple really, really impressive catches. Um, you know, it, he's had some injury issues in the past that I think have kept him from kind of becoming that, like, like taking that sort of leap. So, you know, keeping him makes sense to me over a guy who's not as pro ready. This is a Super Bowl team. So if you're going to be a rookie and a developmental rookie, Either your ceiling has to be incredibly high, like a cane dough, or you're not going to make it. And I, I think that's, I think maybe that's where Powell's at. And you hope that you can slide him on the practice squad. But um, yeah, you know, that remains to be seen. I liked what I saw from Powell in the preseason game. 
mean, he clearly yeah. stood out. I mean, he was playing with the scrubs, but he clearly stood out. Yeah. on the field you were like that guy that guy can play so i think maybe this this game coming up on friday could be really really big for him if he gets if he gets time with henny you know uh how do they how do they shake out the starters i think it's going to be really interesting on the running back front do you think this is it for darwin thompson man i do you see any way that he sticks i i just don't I, I think the chiefs are deep there you know they've carried four running backs in the past but but I think if you're also keeping, you know, Michael Burton, the new fullback from the Saints, uh, you know, you got to feel good about Clyde, about Daryl, about Jarek McKinnon. I just have a real hard time seeing why you would keep Darwin Thompson around when, you know, you could release him. And then if an injury happens, you could always re-sign him or a guy like him off the street at any moment. That's right. Yeah. So if, you, if you're so at the point locked down, a, a spot makes no sense. If you're at the point where you need Darwin Thompson to start, you're, there's a problem, <laughs> right? Like, and I, and I and Jarek McKinnon can play. I think that yeah. was a really good underrated depth signing for the Chiefs. So Absolutely. we're gonna see. I think we'll know a lot more. Do you think Taco makes it? You know, man, that's a great that's a great question. Some of these guys have names attached to them, but what you need to look at, and this is not just Taco, it's Austin Blythe. Or um, maybe Mike Rimmers. I mean, I'm, I think Rimmers is around unless his back issues are going to be something prolonged and the team kind of feels that way. But all these guys are low-cost, one-year acquisitions. So it's like, oh, Taco's back, and we kind of recognize his name, and you think he's going to stick. But, you know, like one year, $1 million, that's nothing. That's no guarantee at all. So if Dan is playing well, if Turk is playing well, if you're going to slide Jones outside, you know, that's why I think either Okafor or Taco is, is gone because these young guys are just playing over their heads that, you know, that's, that's what you want. Yeah. That's uh it's going to be exciting to see who steps up and, and really I want to see more from this offensive line actually in the running game, right? Like I want to see more, I want to see more snaps, with Clyde just running up the middle and, and converting on short yardage because it warms my heart uh, <laughs> to not have to be running sprint outs with Mahomes on, on fourth and ones and being terrified about somebody dropping the ball or something weird happening or him getting hit. Just, it's a yard. We should be able to get that yard. No problem. And it looks like we're going to be able to, uh, which is pretty so. exciting. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to... Tyron Matthew and his extension. Now, Veach has been making the rounds. He was on Sirius XM talking about a lot of, a lot of GM speak there. Um, I almost did a bonus episode on it yesterday, but then I got too busy. But, you know, just sort of like, we love him. We want to resign him. Not everybody's, not everybody got their, you know, like, like extended their franchise players, all those things. He's talking about the, the, COVID and the cap and all the weird stuff that's been going on, which makes a lot of sense. But you just wrote an article on, on Arrowhead Attic that I thought was really great that talked about the Jamal Adams signing and how you know he got a four-year, $70 million deal, $38 million guaranteed, and that makes it sort of sets the table for a Tyron Matthew deal. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the strategy here. I've got my own, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the strategy of, of waiting to sign Tyron because they obviously want to. Yeah. Yeah, I, 
honestly, I don't know the strategy, you know, and normally it's like, you want to be first to market. So that way you set, you know, the mark, the market's going to reset with every deal after this. I, I wonder if there's this sense of, um, you know, like, you know, this is not his second contract. This is, you know, Tyron's been around longer now to have tasted free agency a couple times. And, you know, certainly he's played well enough now to earn another long-term deal. But uh, you know, when, when a guy's nearing 30, do you hand out a Jamal Adams kind of deal? Um, and is there a game of chicken going on um, where everyone's saying the right thing, but secretly like, Hey, are you really going to let this linger into the regular season? Or are you really going to let um, the market possibly believe that Matthew is available and, and, you know, who's going to lose here? I, it would make sense to me to let a Matthew contract set a new high or at least match Jamal Adams at a shorter rate. Like, like let's extend him another two years, uh, you know, maybe three um, but give the team a good opt out after two years, but, but give them, you know, good guaranteed money up front for, you know, for the next couple seasons and carry him through his age 31 season. I, I, you know, I think like, let's look at Dan Sorensen too, right? Dan Sorensen is the kind of guy, if you look at him, right? Like he's still a good player, despite maybe some declining athleticism because he's so smart, so instinctive that he makes up for maybe some of those things. Tyron's that kind of guy. He's going to age really, really well. So even if at some point he has this declining skill set, he's so cerebral as a player. He's so intelligent on the field. He knows exactly what's going to happen or unfold. You know, he's that quarterback of the defense. So I think paying him, even if it's a longer deal, I'm not against it because I think he's going to age really well, um, you know, if, he, if healthy. And he has the athleticism. Well, I worry about, you know, a guy like Dirty Dan. When Dirty Dan's done, he's going to be done. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All the, all the smart. We've seen that with other, with other guys, you know, like, uh, remember at the end of their careers, Ty Law, Darrell Revis, like they were toast. It didn't matter. They had all the brains. Those are positions where athleticism matters. It's a little, little different at safety. You have a little bit more of a buffer. But, um, so I, I think that, I'm okay with this. I know that like the, the market setting and all that stuff matters. Um, it could end up costing the Chiefs a little bit more. But I think that the Chiefs are in a really difficult position with salary cap. And they're going to be for the foreseeable future. They've, got, they've done some really smart things, obviously, with the Mahomes contract to give themselves flexibility. But I think Brett Veach is looking at, and this is just totally my, my feel, is he's looking at, you know, they, they also didn't sign Orlando Brown. Right, they they just traded a first round pick for the guy and multiple picks, and he's the guy for the left tackle for the future. Presumably, why wouldn't you just extend him now? And I there's there's a, there's a strategy here that's that's obviously playing out. So it's not just a Tyron Matthew thing; it's an Orlando Brown thing. I think Brett Veach is looking at all of this and saying, "Let me just kind of see what happens this year." Right, like you know, who weird shit happens all the time in the NFL. <laughs> Guys get horribly injured, and then they're done, and then you've got signing and guaranteed money and all the stuff that's counting against your cap. And so I think maybe he's just like he knows Tyron Matthews great, and he knows he's the leader of the team, but to try to keep that sustained success, 
if you if you lock up too many guys too early, you lose your you lose your ability to be flexible. And having that flexibility when things happen, like your entire offensive line gets hurt, and like you're, I mean, think about it. Like he was going into the season last year, and he's like, all right, I've got a stud in Eric Fisher, super solid left tackle. I've got one of the best, maybe the best right tackle in football, and Mitchell Schwartz. We we're bringing the whole Super Bowl team back. All of that made sense. And look what happened. It was complete. You, you had you had guys that were that might not even make the team. Were starting on the line in the Super Bowl, like so. I think maybe he's just going, and he knows that this is like. I think they're gonna. The Chiefs are gonna get broken up into chunks now, as like uh, eras of the team. Like, whereas it's it's not coaching eras anymore, like it was when they stunk and they were just rotating through Herm and all these people or crappy quarterbacks. There's it's going to be like New England, right? There, New England had eras. It was like, yeah, the Dion Branch era, and, yeah. and and then it was the Randy Moss era, and those things, and 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 the remember the um, oh god, who was their defensive lineman? Why can't I think of his name right now? Uh, Seymour, so Seymour, Richard, the Richard Seymour era, and he was the guy, and the, you know they had all these people, Mike Vrabel, and and you don't want to be, and what what Belichick always did a good job of was like when Mike Vrabel was toast. Mike Vrabel got traded to the Chiefs, right? And <laughs> Brett Veach is—he's—he's got to understand that there are your there are going to be—it's—it's going to be, be kind of like a uh, one of those procedural shows, right? Where like maybe somebody comes in for a few episodes or a few, but you have your constant, like you have the detectives. You're going to have yeah. Andy, and you're going to have Mahomes, but ev- basically everybody else, like is you know you're going to have Kelsey for a while and you're going to have Tyree Kill but everybody else is pretty much moving pieces and I think that you have to look at it that way and I think that that's a little bit maybe of what Brett Veach is doing here is like let me just see how the season plays out like I can still sign these guys I've got the flexibility and but maybe something happens that changes the game and changes and I I don't want to be sitting here being like well we extended a safety and now like like what, what if like what if Tyree Kill like got some catastrophic injury. No, I'm knocking on wood here, right? But like he got some catastrophic injury and like Travis, Kel- something happened to Travis Kelsey. Team's done. They're yeah. done. And 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 if and if like Tyreek Hill was like not going to, maybe not necessarily going to be the same or something like that. And he wanted to go and get a big name wide receiver. I think you'd be looking at a, t- a big Tyron Matthew contract and be like, oh man, <laughs> you know, like you are the, some of the Frank Clark contracts. So I think he's just buying time. That's my take on it. And I think that's, I think that's smart. There's there's no reason to to rush into it. Um, I mean, there are some reasons to rush into it, it that you pointed out about the market, but uh, I think he kind of wants to see how the season can play out, see if he can get another Super Bowl, and then reevaluate. And I think probably this this year, I think is kind of the the end of one era, and I think it's going to start setting the table for a new era where you've got the Creed Humphreys and the Orlando Browns, and and maybe the the Noah Grays in the future as well. Yeah, but do you worry? So here's here's the other side of that, right? Some people, right? Like we know them personally, right? Some people are so emotionally electric. So if they if they enter a room or if they're part of a group and they are excited or or motivated or whatever, the whole room is is electrified by their presence. The whole room is motivated, the whole room becomes lively, etc., right? At the same time, that same person, if they're cold in some way, the whole room knows how they are feeling. There's undoubtedly 
Matthew is that kind of a player, right? He's that kind of a presence. Even on social media, he's that kind of a presence. And and lately, Matthew's been pretty mouthy, right? Like he's posting and then deleting tweets. He's like making his, he makes his presence felt wherever he's at. And so when he's on, when he's loyal to you, when he's excited about what is surrounding him, then he breathes life into what's going on. But I also think Matthew takes away life when he is upset, right? Like He's it, like it a dementor. He, say, he, he's going to turn into a dementor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there's really something to that for the Chiefs defense and that secondary where Matthew is the motivator, the trendsetter, the emotional heart. And we've seen Matthew get a little mouthy this offseason, create a little drama, then take it back. Oh, I know I posted that thing, but it wasn't about that. Oh, I know I said that, but but really we're all good. And, you know, V just had to state multiple times, yeah, you know, we want the guy. Of course we want the guy. I've told you before we want the guy. I'll tell you again we want the guy. It just hasn't happened yet. And so, you know, to me, I think I, – I just think he's the kind of guy that I want to keep happy and you don't want to have to have guys like that on the team. You want guys to be more emotionally mature than that. I don't think it's a maturity thing. I think just some people are that sort of emotionally captivating or that sort of uh, emotionally heavy. Mm. And let's be honest, the Chiefs have nothing else at that position. They've got a 30-something dirty Dan. They've got the ghost of Juan Thornhill still running around (laughs) trying to get his ACL back to whatever it was. You know, if – if Matthew is unmotivated, unhappy, or bringing the guys around him down, you've got real problems in that secondary. And so I'm looking at it going, man, reward the guy. He's been great. He's going to be great. He's going he's gonna to keep that unit afloat and then some. Um, yeah, I, to me, that's where it's at. So I don't know why the Chiefs have some leverage. The only other outs, the only thing I could think of here is, other than the top-notch safeties, Justin Simmons or Jamal Adams, whatever, safety is a cheap-ass position to fill, right? Like, like you got guys like Trey Boston who just sit for months, sign for $1.5 million and then start 16 games. So maybe, just maybe, Veach is going, I'm having a hard time paying $17 million a year for a position that's really not that hard to fill for three to five. And if I take a less, you know, maybe it's a little bit lower of a performance, but, but financially maybe the return on the dollar isn't that great. I I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on. What do you think? Yeah. You know, you make a really great point about the, the emotional heartbeat of the defense and that he could impact the team. I feel like, Tyron's a professional. I feel like he'll show up and he'll still do his job, even if he's a little bit annoyed. It's the summer. I'm annoyed about everything <laughs> um, right now. You know, um, it's hot. True, true. There's no football on. You know, uh, it's it's it's. I don't like it. I want it to be fall. Um, so you know, I think that's a really good point. And it's 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 you have to walk a balance as a GM of being a robot who's going to make the best business decision and and understanding that there's 
emotion tied to some of these players. I and mean, we saw it in Green Bay this offseason. You try to be too robotic about stuff and you cause a bunch of, of unnecessary problems and drama. I think Brett Veach is a really smart guy. I think Tyron Matthews is a really smart guy. I don't think that this this simmer that might be happening is going to, to boil over. Um, but I do like the team having the flexibility to maybe make moves it might need to make and the guys under contract and it's, you know, maybe we just take a deep breath. Let's go win a Super Bowl. And when that's done, we'll, we'll, we'll re up where we need to re up, uh, and, and plug in the new holes that we don't like, let's be honest. There are going to be holes that we don't know exist yet that, that, that will exist like last year. Um, sure. but I'd love to get, I'd love to get the guy on. He and I have the same birthday. So we, we, we chat every birthday. I hit him up on Twitter. Yeah. He called me King. Uh, he said, happy King day to me two years ago. It made my day. Um, Let's let's do a little AFC contenders and pretenders segment that Matt and I do every once in a while. We do it during the season. And I wanted to hit two teams. The first one I want to hit actually is the Cleveland Browns. Now, you you know me. I'm from Northeast Ohio. I, I cheer for the Browns a little bit as long as they're not playing the Chiefs. And I'm really excited for them. They've got a really good roster. But this kind of tends to happen with the Browns is they yeah. get – they. It happened. Remember when they were when Romeo was the coach and they they won like nine games and then they got the full boat of 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 uh, <laughs> of primetime games a few years back and they stunk again. Um, <laughs> I don't think that this is that. I think they've got a really good head coach. I think they have a really talented roster that those teams didn't have. But I also think they had a pretty easy schedule last year. Right? There's a reason why Pittsburgh got off to such a hot start, and yeah. I think it helped the Browns. And that doesn't mean that. Um, that they won't be able to repeat and be a, a continue to be a winning football team. But I'm just not sold on Baker Mayfield. I just not. And I know people are like, you're a hater and stuff, but I watched the games last year and he, 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 he's, he's not, I think at the level right now that they're going to need for everyone's like, they're a Super Bowl contender. And I'm like, they're not, I do not think they're a Super Bowl contender until I see Baker Mayfield throw them into a game and he he hasn't really had to do that too much i saw mike greenberg on get up this morning talking about like he he was talking about the game against pittsburgh in the playoffs and he was like yeah they baker mayfield hung 48 on these guys what else does he need to do and i was like hold on a minute i watched that game okay (laughs) and and believe me i grew up like uh, uh you know my old man's a big Browns fan. Everybody hates the Steelers where I'm from, or most people do, right? That's that big rivalry before the Browns left. And it was cathartic for me for, as, a, as a guy from the Cleveland area to watch watch the Browns just stomp the Steelers in a playoff game as their first win in forever. That was great. But the Steelers shit the bed. They peed all over their leg from the beginning of that game. They were terrible. Absolutely terrible. It reminded me of when when the Chiefs got their first playoff win. Remember against the Texans and Brian Hoyer was in there just throwing the ball to everybody <laughs> in a red jersey. It was an absolute meltdown, and it was like really great and cathartic because we didn't have to worry or stress in that playoff game for once. But like that that was to me the Browns of last year. It's like they they went up against the team that just just was done. Uh, what is your take on the Browns? Are they an AFC contender or a pretender? Boy, I don't know how to make up my mind on that. I want to be decisive and say one or the other, but I, I think you're right. I, um, I like, I feel like after re- after cycling through endless leadership 
regimes or what you know whatever you want to call it in the front office and on the sidelines i think they have that right and so i think you know like kc has seen that firsthand if you get that right you can really build something meaningful um also you know like how did you feel about josh allen a year ago right you say something like you know i'm not a believer until i see him throw like like will the team you know on his own arm and so i I think given the potential ceiling of a guy like Mayfield of, of, of these top picks, if, if the chance to reach the ceiling is there, you know, they're still very young. I think the Browns could turn that corner. They face a hell of a challenge right out of the gate. Um, obviously, uh, you know, against the chiefs at Arrowhead, I think they have like eight, I think like all the starters on defense, like eight of 11 are new, right? Like, is that, it's like Miles Garrett and then a brand new <laughs> right, unit cycle front through. to back yeah. almost. And so I think the Browns we're talking about in week one are going to be dramatically different than the Browns we're probably looking at in week 17 um, or heading into the postseason if, if, you know, if they make it. So I, I almost wonder if this season is going to be a tale of two teams. Baker Mayfield maybe taking another leap as well as a defense learning how to play together over the course of a now 17 game season. Um, so maybe right now I would say, I don't believe it pretender. And maybe by seasons end we see contender. Like I think they're morphing into what they want to be. Uh, it's just hard for me to say right now, because the pieces are either so young or it, they just haven't coalesced into what we know they can do or not do. Yeah. I've got them right in the middle. I, like and yeah. maybe this is like this is trauma and like for this team, but like, I to me this is a team that if if it starts going bad, it's gonna go bad. Like you know what I mean? They, they're coming in with high expectations. The Browns reloaded. They finally won a playoff game. Right? They're back. You get Odell Beckham Jr. back. He's a personality. Baker's a personality. They come out week one. The Chiefs wax them. Right. And now it's like, oh, man, like, how are we going to compete with the Chiefs? Like, this was a litmus test, game one. And then, like, Odell doesn't start getting the ball enough. Mm. Baker's, you know, Baker's throwing interceptions that teams are just, like, stopping the running game and daring him to throw, and he's not able to. Like, you know, they've got a year uh, of, of the Browns under Kevin Stefanski, all the defensive coordinators. It gets harder. It gets harder. We would, like is there going to be a regression season again for Baker Mayfield after he sort of got his footing last year? I think, I think it's fascinating. I think they're absolutely a fascinating team to watch. And I literally think it could go either way. The talent is there. The coaching yeah. is there. It's it's, it comes down to is the quarterback going to be an up and down guy like he has been in his career so far, or is he going to continue to ascend? And I think that's the key for the Browns. Baker has to continue to ascend. He has to be better than he was last year. And if he's, if he is, if he takes like that Josh Allen leap, then yeah, they could win, you know, 12, 13, 14 games. Maybe um, they're, they're that talented, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go ahead and give him contender because my, all my reservations are based on like gut feeling and stuff. It <laughs> <laughs> just like, and also probably just like not trusting the Browns to win two years in a row. Uh, all right. The second team I wanted to hit, and they've been around for a while now, but they're stuck behind the proverbial hump is the Tennessee Titans. 
Tannehill still has a lot of detractors and haters, despite what he's been doing. If you look at the actual numbers, yeah. Derrick Henry is a monster, but much like the Ravens, this is a team that just can't seem to to get over the hump. And maybe that hump for all of these teams, unfairly, is the Kansas City Chiefs. That is just you know, it's it's they're good teams, but they're just not. It's not going to happen as long as Patrick Mahomes is ruling the AFC most years. What is your take on the Titans? Yeah, I. Well, I, I like the Titans. I, I I really think the Titans are a contender. I can't be talked off that ledge. And I think both teams that you bring up are going to be helped by the fact that I think both divisions are going to be weaker than they've ever been in recent years. So, like with Deshaun Watson, when the Texans weren't, like, completely falling apart, you know, they were winning the division. The Colts always play tough. The Titans always play tough. And then you have an also ran in the Jags. Yeah, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be good for the Jags. I think there's promise there for the first time in years. But they're not contending this year. The Texans are maybe the worst team we've seen. Like, they're an expansion team at this point. Um, and the Colts, I mean, gosh, if you've already lost your best player, Quentin Nelson, for the first few weeks, the Carson Wentz, Willie Wonny. You know, if you believe that, that's fine. I like Chris Ballard. I like what he's done in Indy. I think he's built a good team and a deep team overall, but they're not on the level of the Titans. The Titans have picked the right time to lean in with a bunch of veterans, a smart coach. They're deep where it matters in the trenches. Um, I, I just you know, if they don't go five and one or six and zero oh in their own division, that's crazy to me. And right. if you can do that, I you know that makes you a contender automatically. So, so I think the Titans are are you know going to grab one of the top three or four seeds in the AFC and and uh, make quick work of at least the South. And we'll see what they're made of when they face the bigger teams. Yeah, they're they're. Th- They've got some nice, obviously the addition of Julio Jones, it, it, you know, it, or, or should I say the addition of Julio Jones's hamstring? Because <laughs> it's just really all comes down to that, right? How's the hamstring hold up? Um, we know the player Julio Jones, less the hamstring is, is elite. So uh, that could be a problem. They could, they could, that's a team that could cause a lot of problems for the Chiefs. Yeah. Now that they've got some good downfield options. Um, I mean, they did before, but adding Julio, really just the Derrick Henry train. Can he hold up? I think that's something you got to keep an eye on as well. He's been getting a lot of carries. He's the workhorse and he's God. I love watching that guy run. He looks like he's playing uh peewee football when he's out there, <laughs> right? Like as a grown man, like everyone else is running around. I'm like, that's not a running back. That's like yeah. a, that's a that's a transformer or something running around <laughs> out there. It just it doesn't look fair. I can't imagine what it must be like to be like a five nine cornerback trying to like seeing Derrick oh, Henry over. coming at you. Like it's just forget it. Just curl up into the fetal position and uh, and wait until the next <laughs> the next play. Um, uh, yeah, I think that they're a contender. I think they just they have to be. They're going to be right there at the top of the division you're not going to see heroics from trevor lawrence where he just suddenly takes the division as a rookie i just don't think that that's going to happen this is a solid team and all these teams now they know who they have to beat they have to beat the chiefs they're all designing their teams to beat the chiefs they're not designing their teams to beat their even their division mates like the baltimore's the titans the browns bills 
they're all loading up to beat the Chiefs. But the fact of the matter is, and we see it in the year, the NFL every year, probably one of those teams isn't going to make the playoffs. Like something weird is going to happen, and one of these playoff teams that we expect to be there isn't going to be there. Is it going to be the upstart Browns? I think probably the, the most likely team to not make the playoffs again is the Steelers. Yeah. given the, the the struggles that they have in their division. But, you know, do the Bills take a step back? Does Josh Allen have a regression a regression to the mean after that season? Uh, it's going to be really it's going to be a really fascinating year in the AFC. It's definitely, I think, the conference to watch this mm-hmm. year by a mile as Tom Brady gets another cakewalk to uh, a, a Super Bowl, probably in the NFC. Um, all right. I want to touch on this really quickly. I don't want us to go too long, but. It's this. It's the off season, damn it, and it's the debate that happens. Pops up on Chiefs Twitter every four weeks or so. Is Jamal Charles a Hall of Famer? <laughs> and I'm going to start this one. This might be a little. I don't want to go all Bob Fesco on you guys about the Hall of Fame and and all the arguments that I see about Jamal Charles. But I think we make this stuff too damn complicated. It's called the Hall of Fame, and everyone's like. Well, he would have, but he just didn't play enough injuries. And I'm like, all right, listen, it's not the hall of long. I tweeted this. It's not the hall of longevity. That's not what it's called, right? Yes. It's not the hall of longevity. It's the hall of fame. So then I know that somebody's going to say, well, if somebody comes in and runs for 280 yards in, in a game one time, that's the only game they ever play. Should they get put in the hall of fame? No, of course not. Like we can be reasonable. I know we're not like a reasonable society right now about anything, um, <laughs> But like, it's kind of just one of those things that like you can use your brain and be like, you know what I mean? Like just use discretion. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, that guy's one of the best running backs I've ever seen. I've been watching football for, 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 for 30 years. And that guy stands out among a handful of players that I have watched during my lifetime as special. And he played long enough to where I know it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a fluke season. It wasn't a fluke couple of years. That guy was Hall of Fame worthy good. And I don't care if he's his body didn't allow him to hold up to run himself into the ground like Emmett Smith did and just like get every record ever because he's just never going to retire. Or yeah. Larry Fitz like we knew Larry Fitzgerald was a Hall of Famer like nine years ago. <laughs> and like I don't know if he still might come back. I mean, these these guys like so it's great that you played forever and that you didn't get hurt and you like you got to slowly peter out your career and that for some other guys they just lost the tools that they needed to be able to perform. But this dude's a hall he's a hall of famer. He's one of the best running backs that has ever played the game of football. The numbers are there, the numbers support it. And to to keep him out over some arbitrary like rules or you have these old old dudes sitting in a conference room crusty old sports reporters who we will be very soon. You could make the argument that we're, we're already there. Um, you know, crusty. yes. Yeah. Making, making the, you know, we didn't play long enough and I've got my criteria and it's like, man, yeah. like, did, did you watch him play? Like, who cares how long he played? Yeah. I just don't get it. It just seems like such an easy one. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm enthused actually that uh, Terrell Davis got in because he kind of sets he helps set a different standard. You, you know, like you let guys like Sayers in, you let guys like Davis in who maybe didn't have the longevity, but like those years speak for themselves. He was above and beyond. When, when you have a guy who moves like Jamal did, 
that yards per carry average alone should like signal like, man, I didn't even watch him, but you're like, it's not like he played behind great line. It's not like he was running behind Willie Rofe, like priest Holmes uh, did. It's not like he was playing for great head coaches. It's not like Matt Castle kept defenses honest. You know, the guy was playing for like a rotation of offensive coordinators. He was playing for the worst quarterbacks, uh, you know, and, until like Reed comes in the very end. Yeah, he, he was the most dynamic player to watch. It's like uh, the Chiefs lucked out. To me, to me, Jamal Charles was the most dynamic offensive weapon in the game when he was healthy. The Chiefs have that now in Tyreek Hill, the single most dynamic offensive weapon in the game. We've been lucky to have two in the last decade or so. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's – I'm with you, except I take it all the way – like, like I'm, I'm so against the Hall of Longevity that I think Frank Gore is in no way a Hall of Famer. Get yep. that – get that out of here. In no way, not in any season, Frank Gore was never one of the top five running backs in football that he played. So even if Frank Gore plays 25 seasons – I would never identify Frank Gore as like, oh yeah, he was one of the five best that year. No, he wasn't. He was always, I mean, he was always like a top 10 back. He just played for forever and, you know, sometimes top 15. I just don't get his Hall of Fame case to me. I think he's great, good to great for a very long time. Uh, means he'll get in a team's ring of honor or whatever's going on there. But, um, you know, to me, it's how like many, how many defense? How many defensive coordinators went into their weekly game plan and being like, what are we going to do about Frank Gore? Yeah, nobody. Nobody yeah. ever. Like, you were never yeah. like, oh, shit, man, we got to play Frank Gore this week. Right. You know, right? right? Like, Julio Jones going to the Titans. I was like, damn it. I don't want that guy on the Titans. The Chiefs have to play that guy. He's really good. I don't want to have to deal with him. I get, even when I know that the Chiefs are better than the Titans, I'm like, oh, man, Derrick Henry can wreck a game. He can wreck yeah. a game. It doesn't yeah. matter. Nobody's ever said that about Frank Gore. And they said that about Jamal Charles. I think you make excellent points. It's just absurd. And, you know, I don't know why we cling to this idea that, that, that well, you just you have to play a certain amount of time or you had to have won Super Bowls. Super Bowls, like, those to me are like they're bonuses, right? They're like they're resume adders. But, like, the idea yeah. is how good were you? There are 53 guys on the team. Like, there are 11 dudes on the field. This isn't like the NBA where, like, you can be so good that you can just win a game by yourself. Like, that doesn't really happen in the NFL, but that, with maybe the exception of, of Patrick Mahomes, who's absolutely insane. Um, you know, there's not too many t people who could just put a team on their back that way. In football, it just, Jamal Charles, Todd would not play him. Todd was like, we got to get Thomas Jones in there. Let's get, Todd, let's get some carries for Thomas We're Jones. Funny. His veteran leadership is all about the intangibles, playing old guys that sucked. You know, uh, Thomas Jones was like pretty good early in the season, and and everybody was like, all the Thomas Jones guys were all smug on the on the forums and on Arrowhead Act, and that was like, dude just was tanked at like seven games into the season, it was over. Right, and and we're like, why aren't we playing? Or like, let's bench Derek Johnson for a season. Like, just crazy shit was happening. It's amazing that Jamal Charles even existed. <laughs> they, they probably would have wanted to cut him. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but, yeah, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best to ever ever do it. And it's just an eye test thing for me, man. Like, I just you, – you, you, you saw him doing things. He, he still has the record, right, for yards per carry uh, over yeah. a certain number of carries? Yeah. So you're, you're telling me that a guy who has the best production ever 
in yards per carry as a running back ever is not a Hall of Famer because he didn't do it long enough. Like to for for the for these people, their 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 point about the Hall of Longevity, they're basically saying that if Jamal went on to play for eight more seasons and averaged like four yards a carry or like 3.9 yards a carry. He's a slam dunk call of famer. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. Like if that's the bar for greatness, I should be in a hall of fame somewhere because I've been (laughs) mediocre for 38 years. It just about everything that is sometimes like kind of better than mediocre. I'm basically the Frank Gore of life. Yeah. I'm, I'm still here. I've managed to not get myself killed. I'm not in prison. I own a home. I you need to make that you know, your Twitter bio. Yeah, right? What, what's the that? Frank Gore of life. The Frank, the Frank Gore of life. The Frank yeah, Gore yeah. of life. Consistently mediocre for 38 <laughs> years and counting. I mean, it's and just... For um, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I should be in... I don't know what the if there's a, 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 a mediocre guy Hall of Fame, but like... <laughs> sign me up. It's probably, it's probably in Indiana. It's probably not far from you. Probably. That's probably very true. That's probably you you very guys true. have the RV Hall of Fame out there. We do? Yeah. You didn't know that? We drive. So when I go to like Verderam and I always talk about this because we take uh, we take the same route when like when I drive home to Ohio to see my family from Chicago and he drives to New York because he's insane and he drives the whole way to New York <laughs> from Chicago. Um, you cut across it, the top of the state. Yeah. And you and you drive by the, the RV Hall of Fame. And it's like, it's literally like, it's off the highway. Like you're on the highway and you look over to your right and it's like the RV Hall of Fame and they've got a couple Uh, parked out there. And it's like, who's pulling off? Who's like, honey, honey, it's the RV Hall of Fame. And you know, they're just like, just driving across the the grass, like not even waiting for the exit. Like, and and, and Verderam's always like, he's got lots of thoughts about Indiana, but he's just always like, he's like, you can't drive through that state fast enough. <laughs> that's about, a good impression. That's a good impression. The, for me, the highlight when I drive through Indiana is the RV Hall of Fame and the billboards telling me that I'm going to hell. Those are my favorite. I I knew of the latter. I did not know of the former. Oh, but, oh, we but we, we drove have recreational to, vehicles aplenty around here. Yeah, yeah. We we and drove God's to judgment. <laughs> God's judgment. We drove to um we drove to uh Columbus once. And that route had the most billboards I'd ever seen because now you're driving through like the heart of Indiana, oh, and it actually yeah, yeah. continues in, when you get into Ohio. But like some of these billboards are so ridiculous. My favorite was like is um, "Hell is real." That's a good one, right? Just a reminder: Hell is real. And then <laughs> um, when you die, you will meet God. <laughs> it's just like Jesus well, Christ. Thoughts to drive by. <laughs> right, right, and then I feel like on the dr- on the drive back they were like nicer messages. Like if you drive if you're driving north through Indiana, it's like God loves you, and you know um, Jesus died for us. And then like, but if you drive the other way, it's like uh, yeah, you're going you're basically going to hell. It's basically Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, <laughs> if there are, if there are any members, you know, I don't mean to offend. If there are any members of the West Westboro Baptist Church listening to this podcast, fuck you. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, listener reviews. We've got one, and this segues us into more stuff that people don't want to hear me talk about because it's not Chiefs talk. Um, is from our guy, USAF Chief fan, Chiefs fan. Now, now, Matt, you know, Verderam and I, like, we're big serial guys. We we get oh, yeah. into the serial discussions on this Wait, podcast. He's not a serial guy. Right, yeah, right, exactly. Um, so 
He said, 10 most underrated cereals, I'll start. Apple Cinnamon Cheerios is what USAF Chiefs fan says. Thank you for the review. We appreciate your support. Um, I don't think we're going to do 10, but I think we should at least both kick in one underrated cereal uh, each. I'll kick us off. I'll give you a second to think. And for me, I think that life is a really underrated cereal. I don't know if it's a weird, like it's not especially sugary. Cinnamon life's really good. Um, But even just regular life, I think it's like a texture thing. I just really enjoy the texture of life. And whenever I have life, I'm like, I should buy life more. You know, it's one of those things, but I, I won't, but like I should. And, you know, it's like whenever I like, I don't know, like I'm at a hotel and it's in the continental breakfast and I'm like, I'm going to have life. Like that's when I have life. But yeah. I think it's underrated. I think it's a solid cereal. That's good. That's a good entry. I I think I'd go Frosted Flakes. Like it, I think that's a staple. It's sugary and I like it. But if you put milk on it, it doesn't like instantly wither into sogginess like other like flake cereals other like raisin bran you pour milk on it it's like a a dead flower it's mush yeah 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 i like raisin bran crunch but not raisin bran so for me frosted flakes like i never think to get it but if it's there in like one of those like tiny cereal pouches intended for i don't know for you to camping i don't know what i don't know why they make it that right camping right yeah uh you know it's like oh yeah yeah frosted flakes of course that's going to be sugary goodness predictable staple been around it's not sexy but but yeah i think i'd go that route i guess when i was growing up it was sexy like it was like frosted flakes had the tony the tiger commercials oh. and and uh i mean what about this how old are you i'm uh i'm in my 40s can i say you're that? in your 40 yeah yeah i probably should have asked you if it was okay for me to ask how old you are yeah um, you know when you get so a certain age you got to ask permission yeah yeah that's right we're roughly the same age we're, we're yeah i'm 38 and so, but like, I, you know, I think there was a serial explosion around that time with all the cartoons on Saturday mornings and all that stuff. Yeah. And I always wanted Frosted Flakes. And my mom was like, the last thing that this kid needs is more sugar. So <laughs> like, I never got it. But like my dad would buy cornflakes all the time. And I was like, I'll show you. There's a box of sugar under the sink. And I would just like dump all that on there and be like, boom, Frosted Flakes. But um, do what you got to do, man. That, that's right. That's right. Um, I yeah, but I think it's probably a kind of underrated now because there's so many other entries into the market. Your cookie crisps, obviously, your the goat, your CT crunch, you know these things, and there's all kinds of gimmicky cereals which I've been eating my way through coming out. Uh, I think no, yeah, it's good. There's no flavors. There's no colors. There's no shapes. No there's marshmallows. no marshmallows. Yeah. Right. It's just sugary flakes yep so i i I think it's underrated i agree i agree that's a good one all right uh let us know head over to apple Podcasts, leave a review for the arrowhead attic podcast whether you're you're trying to hit up vertoram and i or connor and i or sterling and connor uh we're, we're mixing things up here which is great leave those reviews and if you leave us a question we will answer it and we will talk about it on the podcast we appreciate your support leave us five stars please don't be jerks okay and um I have a cereal review. We, we like to throw these in every once in a while. Uh, somebody hit me up on Twitter, called me out, said that Captain Crunch has entered the conversation because they have a chocolate caramel Captain Crunch, right? Chocolate. Like, they really just went for it here. They were like, should we do chocolate? Should we do caramel? And they were like, how about both? Um, wow. And 
so obviously Captain Crunch is, is one of the great cereals of all time. Peanut butter crunch is, is preferable for me, but I loved the regular captain. So, uh, I was alerted that, that the cereal existed. I dove in and I spun by Walmart and picked up a box. I, I, I picked up the mega size. Um, you went all in too. You I said, went all going in. All in. I'm going all in. You, you know, if you're going to do, if you're going to do it, make sure you give it a thorough review. Now I haven't eaten the whole <laughs> box, but I, I will eat the whole box. Um, and I've, I've had three, uh, two, three bowls, two or three bowls of it. And at first I, I put my hands in there. You know, you always do the dry taste test first. You don't, you don't just go right into the milk. There's a procedure here. You open up the box. As soon as you get home, you open it up, you reach in with your hand, you pop some in your mouth, you see what you're working with, and then you put milk on it. So initially all I could get out of the box was the chocolate. It basically looks like cocoa puffs added yeah. to Captain Crunch. And that's all I could get out. And I and that's chocolate and caramel. And I really didn't care for it too much. I was like, I don't know. This is sort of, uh, it just doesn't, I, no, I don't know. Um, and, and, and I was mad because I was like, there's like no Captain Crunch in here. It ha must have some it, something to do with physics and the size of the Captain Crunch versus these things. Because when you pour a bowl, you actually do get a, a decently even distribution of the chocolate caramel balls and the traditional Captain Crunch. And then I started eating it and I was like, this is... This is pretty good. I like this. And as I had the second bowl, it occurred to me that the reason that I liked it so much better once I poured it into a bowl was because I was getting more actual Captain Crunch, which is excellent in its own right. Um, so my review, we, we rate on this podcast, we, we, we give a, a, the scale is, is zero to five CT crunches is the scale. Um, so how many CT crunches do I give it? And I'm going to go ahead and give chocolate caramel crunch three CT crunches, which puts it in the average category. And my reasoning for that, and the reason it's not higher, is because the the chocolate caramel is like a nice, fun thing, and it's different, but it doesn't add anything. What like it would? It's not better than a bowl of Captain Crunch. So how can I give it more than three CT crunches if the reason why it's good is the fact that it's just basically I'm getting less Captain Crunch is what yeah. I'm getting when I buy this. And if I want the chocolate, cool. So that's my review. Chocolate Caramel Crunch. Is it a buy? If you're feeling it, if you want to try it. But like, frankly, I think you're better off just getting a bowl of Captain Crunch. When I do these, when I buy these gimmick cereals, like I've reviewed Ghostbusters cereal, which is trash, and Little Debbie Oatmeal Cream Pies, which was also trash, and Little Debbie Cosmic Brownie, which was like, oh, fine. It was fine, um, but disappointing. I'm looking for like high end, like new discoveries. Like when Oreos came out and I was like, holy shit, the game has changed. <laughs> right. Um, that's what, that's what I'm looking for. And that's not what you're going to get if you buy chocolate caramel crunch. Love it. Well said. Well said. <laughs> By the way, crunch berries in or out? I like crunch berries. I do. I I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to buy the like all crunch berries bowl. That's not me. Um, but I could do a Crunch Berries every once in a while. But again, it gets in the way I, of the Captain Crunch. You're right. Right. It's for me. It's it's peanut butter crunch, and then it's the Captain, and then I know that they all have variants now. All of these cereals, you go there, and they've got like different kinds of Lucky Charms and and all this stuff, and they're just trying to they're just trying to mix it up, get you to get you to come back over and buy 
Like, yeah. I guess my, the next one that I need to try is there's a bunch of CT Crunch variants. Is the CT Crunch Churros cereal? Have you had that? No. But I mean, it but sounds. But I like some churros. Right, dude. When I lived in New York, these these people uh, would sell churros down on the subway platform. Not generally a good idea to buy food from anybody on the New York City subway platform. <laughs> But but these people were cool. They were just they were just out there hustling, and they would make these big trays of churros, and they'd carry them down, and they'd sell you four for a dollar. And um, my and sometimes they were still warm. Wow, unbelievable! They were just unbelievable. They do this out in LA too, like on some of the boardwalks. They sell churros. Like I'm all for buying a churro from anybody at pretty much any time. Um, if, if I'm going to buy it on New York City subway. Uh, I'm going to buy it anywhere. That's true. Um, true. Yeah. So I got to get my hands on the cereal. I got to try it. All right, Matt, I think we've got to, we got to get on with our days here. Um, we're going to be, uh, we, we mentioned on the, uh, the previous podcast that we're going to be launching the Arrowhead Addict YouTube channel. That's very exciting. We are, uh, we're going to be out there. We're going to have to see our ugly mugs occasionally. So uh, be sure to look out for news on that. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Like I said a few minutes ago, we really appreciate those reviews. You guys are honestly the best. We love hearing from you on Twitter. So make sure that you reach out to us. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. He's at, at Matt Connor AA. And you need to be reading. You got to tell them, Matt. They need to be reading Arrowhead Attic like multiple times a day. Yeah, read it. Read it multiple times a day. <laughs> that's the, that's what I asked that you to good? say. Uh, it's yeah, good. Yeah, well, they've got great content. That's the whole, like, this is why this podcast exists is because of the website. And you're yeah, in charge. Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got good. Yeah, I am in charge. So I guess uh, I'm not sure what else to say about that. Come <laughs> read it. Yeah, come read it. It's great stuff. Matt put together a great team over there. Um, Lyle and, and Maxwell and and, and, and Branson, and the whole the whole crew, always great content. Make sure you're reading it. It's it's all, we're almost there, guys. We are almost there. Chiefs Cardinals on ESPN Friday night. Make sure you tune into that. I'm sure Matt's gonna have tons of reactions after the the, the more advanced preseason game on the website, on the Twitter account at Arrowhead Addict. We're going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Matt Verderam should be back next week unless he ends up uh, trying to escape Alcatraz with uh, Sean Connery, uh, which would be remarkable. You should do your impersonation to get us out of here. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the ugly all day? Impersonation? Everyone has a Connery impersonation. I don't have a Connery. I can't do... Look, I went to, to theater school, and I'm pretty decent with accents, but Scottish just kills me. I can't do it. Just do a bad one. That would be entertaining, too. Uh, I don't. Do a bad comment. What does he sense. say? What does he say? Okay. Go, go, Chiefs. That was more Irish. <laughs> that was more Irish. Go, Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll we'll leave you with that. Uh, uh, apologies for for any of you uh, Scots out there. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. And as always, go Chiefs.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.